Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. All right, today we're going to be uh, throwing our two cents into a discussion that's been going on in the Commander community for a little while. Um, well, I would say it's been popularized by Sam Black, but it's been a discussion about uh, mana rocks in Commander being kind of a scam. Um, so the the idea is that rather than running a bunch of mana rocks uh, and running fewer lands, you should probably just be leaning more towards running lands um, because like if you spend it like turn two to cast a mana rock and then you miss your land drop on the next turn, like you are kind of worse off than it had just if it had just been another land. Um, there's a lot of nuances to his his is the points he's been making. Um, he has a video he has a video up on YouTube you can check out. Um, he also has a, a Twitter thread that you should probably read through. Um, but we're going to be talking a bit about uh, well, we, we had a good discussion about this whole topic on our Discord server, and uh, I, I mentioned that I run very little ramp in my decks, and so one of our patrons, Roxanne, uh, suggested doing an episode on the subject. So this is that episode. Uh, it's all about looking at our decks, seeing where we tend to run more ramp and where we tend to run less, and making some generalizations about like in this type of deck, you're probably safe to cut most of your ramp versus this type of deck. You really do want to step on the gas. Um, but before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, with that out of the way, let's jump in. Um, so for this episode, I looked through all of the decks that I have currently built in paper and just did a quick count of the number of ramp pieces, uh, the average mana value of those decks. And so I think I've got a fairly good idea of the type of decks um, or like what the common characteristics are among the decks that are running a, a lot of ramp versus uh, the decks that don't have much ramp and are kind of fine despite that. Um, and of course, Zach, please feel free to throw in categories that I have missed here. Um, sure. <laughs> but uh, there were a couple things that really stood out. Um, so I'd say that like looking at all my decks laid out, I've got a bunch of decks that are running like six or fewer ramp pieces. So just a lot of of decks that like wouldn't really hit that threshold to be considered a critical mass. Like if you're trying to draw ramp in the early game, you really do want enough that you'll see it in the early game. And I'm not hitting that critical mass with most of my decks. What I tend to do is I just run the really busted stuff like Soul Ring, maybe Jiraga Tree Speaker, or maybe something that is like specifically really good in my deck, like something that say like reduces the cost of artifact spells in my artifact deck that or or reduces the cost of enchantment spells might that kind of thing um so i have a lot of decks that are just very very low count and then i have a couple outliers um and so let me talk a bit about the outliers so uh, one thing i noticed is that decks that get some kind of benefit from running the ramp cards uh, i have a fair number of those 
And those do tend to run like significantly more ramp pieces than my other decks. Um, so for the, the three examples I have are uh, Akiri and Silas. Uh, this is the, the partner pair. It's four color artifacts. Um, and in this deck, I'm running 14 ramp pieces. Um, and part of this is because like there are a lot of artifact synergies in the deck. There's things it's like when you cast an artifact spell, draw a card. Or you you might want like more artifact sack fodder for things like Goblin Welder or Goblin Engineer. And Mana Rocks are like useful in that respect. Even when they stop being useful as ramp pieces, they are helping you by just like being on the board for some effects like Akiri's power pumping or just being something that you can sacrifice to a welder. So um, in that kind of deck, like the, uh, the, the, all the all the pieces around it, basically, all the the synergy, uh, really subsidizes what can be a bad card in certain phases of the game. Like on turn ten, I'm not loving uh, when I top deck some a signet or something, but in this deck, like that signet could do a lot more for me than it would in just a random deck without any. They didn't care about the card type. Another deck I have that I also noticed was running lots of ramp uh, was my Sithis Enchantress deck. Uh, and of course, Sithis is the two mana Celestia um, artifact creature, or rather enchantment creature. And she has whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you gain a life and draw a card. So in that deck, I'm running a ton of enchantment based ramp because all of it draws you a card off of Sithis. So it's really, really low opportunity cost to run. Uh, like pretty much any enchantment is not going to be a dead draw in that deck. So it's okay that like, yeah, I already have a ton of mana at this point, got my Sarah Sanctum or whatever. Um, but it's also, it's not only ramping you, but it's also cycling and potentially drawing you into like real gas. And of course, like at a certain point, once you get like a density of enchantress effects, once you have like Sithis plus something else, then you're not even just cycling anymore. You're just like, you're you're going up on cards. You are you are elf balling with your enchantments. So for that reason, Sithis runs like twenty different ramp pieces uh, because it's there's really no downside in that list. Yeah, um, can I can I kind of chime in there too? Because this so like a lot of the things we're talking about, like you did the work and put in the hard numbers, but I just anecdotally like this is absolutely the case with my like Amareth enchantments deck. Like mm-hmm. I basically have the same kind of thing. Like it's it's an enchantress list like in name kind of like amareth doesn't specifically call out enchantments but it's whenever a permanent enters you can look at the top card of your library and if it shares a type you can put it into your hand so just every card that's not a land is an enchantment in that deck and it's the exact same like situation (laughs) that you're talking about like i ended up running a ton of ramp and ramp ended up being like one of the best things to do specifically because it just draws me more cards in the process you know, mm-hmm. so it, it definitely and and this is going to happen a few times as you talk about this or or lessons that I've learned. There's a new deck that when later on in the episode, I'm going to talk about <laughs> um, when we get to some of these other sections that I have learned a lot about ramp. And it's kind of funny that this conversation came up now, but just to kind of to pare it in and chime just this. This is not just something in your I bet you our patrons also have felt this like I'm definitely seeing this in my own deck building to like this this i'm putting ramp into decks that specifically call it out and uh hint hint nudge nudge even decks that like 
quote want ramp it hasn't been very good <laughs> necessarily <laughs> so I'll, we'll talk about that later but yeah if you want to keep on going because the, the next the well, i mean you're you're talking about a few decks here but uh they're pr- they're pretty cool these are like some of my favorite decks that you made lately or the the hazazon is i don't know if we talked yes about, you want to get yes into that. so ha- so Hazazon uh, is another one of my decks that is very high on ramp pieces. And it's, I mean, it's essentially a landfall deck, but it, it is caring specifically about a certain land subtype. Um, but it's running just a whole bunch of cards that search out lands and put them onto the battlefield or, or put lands from your graveyard on the battlefield, uh, et cetera, et cetera, or allow you to make additional land drops, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's running uh, 24 ramp pieces, so a, a really significant portion of the deck. Um, but because your commander is giving you a lot of extra value off of these ramp pieces, like I'm totally happy to draw a harrow in the late game because that means, well, it, it means not only am, am I going up on mana, but I'm also like putting another desert in my graveyard that I can then replay and then get more guys, even just like minor things uh that normally wouldn't be very exciting in a deck that didn't have these kinds of synergies become a lot more powerful and a lot more useful here and i'd say this is true for like most landfall decks like there's three different landfall commanders that all just like draw you a card when a land enters the battlefield so in those decks like there is very there's almost no downside at all to running ramp pieces um, provided that they are land-based yeah, and that's been really fun to see because, like, basically guarantees that the deck is always doing something. You know, like, the deck is always working because you have a ton of this ramp and it all gets you where you need to go. So, like, it's very singular in its focus. Um, and it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. The fourth category I want to talk about is uh, creature synergies and mana dorks. Um, so, honestly, like, mana dorks are easier to run than some other forms of ramp um because they they tend to be much cheaper and there's so many ways that like creatures matter in commander but especially if you are running things like i don't know a beast whisper a guardian project um, if you have skull clamp in your deck to convert your dorks to cards later on if you have things like shamanic revelation that are just looking to see a bunch of guys on the board um, if you are running these sort of like green draw packages, then it's just it doesn't matter if you're drawing a Llanowar Elves on turn 10. If you are then drawing a card off your Guardian project or clamping it immediately or any number of any one of a number of ways of getting value from this little body. Also decks with lots of sacrifice outlets, not just Skull Clamp, but if you're playing like Black Green or something and you are running attrition mind slash all the all these fun fun magic cards uh grave pact <laughs> uh there's a lot of ways to subsidize the dorks even when it's it's an underwhelming card on the top of your library late in the game any any last comments on uh these sort of like decks that are benefiting you from running the ramp cards or do you want to move on to the next broader category just no just one one last thing about the creature synergies is that like i feel like one of the reasons these are easier to run in commander is that these are what a lot of people focus on in general so like uh i don't think i think a lot of people are running decks that do this without realizing that the reason the deck works so well is because like the mana dorks synergize with 
the coastal piracies and whatnot, they just are like, that's Commander, baby. <laughs> like, it's ramp and card draw. And you're like, yes, that is that is Commander, baby. <laughs> like, that's it's ramp and card draw. And uh, just because, like, green is fairly popular and, and, like, ramp is popular, people put the cards in the deck and I think don't think too much about, like, what that means or why they're there, why that deck might run a little bit smoother than some of the other lists that they might have. Um, so I think with that in mind, yeah, let's go on to this next category. Sure. Um, so this is fairly self-explanatory, I think, but, um, it's worth taking a look at your deck's average mana value, uh, because if your deck has a high average mana value, or if your deck has like a six drop commander or something, that's just going to make ramp a lot more important, uh, in your deck. Like, it's not really a coincidence that my Akiri and Silas list uh, has 14-ish art ramp pieces or, or maybe even more than that. Uh, and it's got the highest average mana value of all the decks I've currently built. Or actually, sorry, second highest, but we'll explain that other one away in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have, like, in my Akiri and Silas list, I've got some seven drops. I've got a nine drop. Uh, they're are just things that are very difficult to cast. And if I wasn't running ramp, it would just be a joke trying to get portal Phyrexia into play in a, in a fair manner. Um, so that is of course a concern. A lot of my decks though are, well, maybe I'll hold off on that for one sec. Cause I think <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. Uh, any, any last thoughts on type of decks, uh, types of decks that, benefit from ramp decks that really do need ramp or can use it more effectively than the average deck yeah so i i want to put something in here um so just like a caveat onto decks with high average mana value so i love to make commanders that the hoop isn't necessarily just like draw a card or something like that where you have to do a little bit extra and something that i found with high mana commanders or commanders with like an MV of five or more that need to come down before you start doing something is that um, it's usually not like, so if you run like hypergeometric calculations to be able to uh, get your commander down, like I need this many pieces of ramp at CMC, like three or less. And the four mana rocks are actually pretty good because they make two and they like get you to turn six faster, blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera. Usually end up like I've had a lot of decks that um, end up around like 14 pieces of ramp just so that like I can cast my commander and then do a thing in the same turn or my commander dies and I can cast it again or something like that. Um, and I can't remember exactly what the, that comes out to. It's like you see one of the plus two mana ramp pieces every like 85% of the time or something like that. If you have like 14 in your deck, like you're gonna draw it by turn eight or nine or something like that it's 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 pretty high like you know it's it's higher than i think most people want to but the problem is and the, the decks that i end up taking apart like i'll use a noyandar as an example of this where noyandar is a five mana commander that whenever you cast it's a azorius colors whenever you cast a, a instant or sorcery you can basically animate a land put three plus one plus one counters on it it gains haste until in a turn um, and so you can like either animate all your lands, you can make one land really big, all for the low, low price of casting an instant or sorcery. But the problem is the mana rocks and the mana ramp in especially Azorius just don't do anything if 
he's not there, you know, like they're mm-hmm. not synergizing with your commander at all. So even though like you quote need them for the deck to function, what I've found is the case is that you just end up with a deck of like do nothing like gilded lotuses and like there's only so many hedron archives right like like you got your your mind stone your hedron archive and your dreamstone hedron and then like and then what <laughs> like so most of these rocks like don't cash out later right so you're just kind of stuck mm-hmm. with a board full of do nothing permanence uh and a commander that doesn't do anything without another thing and those are the decks that have the worst synergies and the worst things so um, that's kind of, I think, the kind of decks where Sam Black is talking about when we're talking about these run more lands decks and like when to ramp is if the ramp synergizes with your commander. So like looking at Amareth, looking at uh, Sithis or something like that, I would say go for it, you know, crank it up. But with Noyandar, honestly, I feel like it would be better just to run more lands, more interaction like some good mana rocks. And then like when you start going off is whenever you start going off, like pushing that envelope is actually going to be a lot less fun for you because it definitely was for me, you know, like just having a hand where I'm like, okay, I guess I'll keep this. And my hand was like Sisse's ring, like uh, the fire mind vessel, like three lands and a counter spell, you know, like <laughs> that's not what kind of game am I going to play? That's not very fun. Right. So I think that's the kind of deck where you really need to look out for with your high mana value is like, making sure the deck is still doing something like you really mm-hmm. don't want to flood your deck with these mana rocks with these like really high average mana value like like really be aware so i think your ikirian silas is a perfect example of like when it's good because not only do you need the ramp pieces because you're casting seven and nine drops and this is me bringing all the way back around like they're still <laughs> artifacts you can still goblin weld them back into play you can uh get them back with your uh Oh, what's the three two for three that soul shifts your artifacts? What's he called? The junk. Oh, scrap, uh, scrap trawler. Yes. Yeah. So th- there's still like other synergies with these cards that make them worth it. And I really, really like. I don't want to. I, I don't think I can stress highly enough that like that's even in the high mana value decks. Like that's when it's good to push that envelope. Like if you're just sitting there with your like blue black deck with like an eight mana commander, like you might want to focus on the early game in a very different way. And so that's what I'm going to say about this part part of the episode, because I think the rest of the episode's going to be pretty self-explanatory. I think I think Nick's breakdown is going to do really good. But this one, I just really do want to caution. This is the category that Sam Black was talking about. Um, and I just really want to hammer that home for people. <laughs> <laughs> so with all of that said, my little rant over, um, let's get into... The next section, do you want to do you want to break into this? Yes. Uh, so we've told you about some types of decks that really benefit from ramp, and then now we're going to talk about some types of decks that can fairly safely eschew ramp. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So uh, I'll I'll start by I noticed looking through my decks that uh, all of my decks with the lowest curves run ran extremely low ramp counts. I'm talking like sub 2.5 average mana value uh extremely efficient uh those types of decks like what are you really ramping to um yeah (laughs) especially and and to some extent it it might make sense to 
uh, put in some ramp cards if you have really good draw engines, uh, because with the assumption that you'll be putting spending that ramp on the cards you're drawing. For example, Shannon um, Sleeper's Scourge, the Mardu commander from the Dominary Commander decks, that whenever you uh, cast a legendary spell or play a legendary land, you lose one life and draw a card. Like that deck has no trouble drawing cards at all. Um, so even though I'm not running a lot of like arcane signets in that deck, uh, I am running some things that can allow me to to get more things onto the board over time. So I'm running stuff like Relic of the Legends or uh, Honorworn Shaku or Burji, um, God of Storytelling. Things that like allow me, as I am casting spells, they kind of just like refill my mana a bit so I can snowball a little bit further. But that's very different from the... That's sort of like combo enabling ramp rather than just like typical two-cost signet kind of ramp. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, and that makes a lot of sense if you think about it. And this is another thing that like in that thread the same black talks about or like what's the point of casting your like two drop ramp spell if your commander's coming down next to you know what i mean like that this i think this is the category another category that is really really uh able to play a really good game without worrying about the prototypical like ramp packages yeah i'm, I'm just gonna mention one or two other decks of mine that kind of fit this category and maybe if you have some of yours that uh, also fall in here definitely oh, sure, just, yeah. like share your experience um so another one of mine is uh adeline resplendent cathar very low average mv in this deck and really like your commander costs three really what you're trying to do is just like play any creature on turns one and two uh play your commander on three and then attack and then just play like an anthem after that and you're probably good um so this deck is not a late game deck by any stretch of the imagination. It's doing its thing from the very earliest turns of the game, and it's not trying to get to something powerful later on. Um, it just wants to like it wants to do its thing in the early game as consistently as possible. So it's packed with just like really cheap but useful creatures, um, and so it does not really need ramp at all and you can see that i'm running like three things that you could possibly consider ramp okay one one more deck of mine that has a noticeably low curve is kestia the cultivator uh and this is because this is the um the bant sort of enchantment creature tribal commander that's all about uh dropping very bad enchantment creatures on turns one, two, and three, <laughs> dropping your commander on four, turning them sideways, and refilling your hand. Yeah, this deck rules. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's all about curving out. Um, it's not a deck that's trying to cast seven drops or eight drops. It's trying to consistently get low drops onto the field in the turns leading up to Kestia. So it really doesn't have any business running ramp. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have any decks of yours that, like, you noticed yes have a really absolutely. low curve yeah okay yeah so i mean the the one that comes to mind that i've talked about on the show before is my timna list so it's currently mm-hmm. timna and sengir uh dark baron but um i end up being able to cast sengir and the other six and seven drops in the deck because i have 12 one drops in the deck and timna draws cards so i just end up hitting all my land drops and 
often I have the Signan and like Talisman that are on color in the deck just to have them. And often they're one of the worst things to do on turn two. <laughs> like <laughs> often it's like, oh, I mean, I could play this or I could just play this two drop, you know, like, th- and then draw a card next turn with Timna because they're probably not going to play a creature. Like it, it, it really comes down to that often. Um, the other one that I think about a lot that uh, kind of fit into this category, which is pretty silly, is Malcolm and Dargo. Because even though Dargo is technically a seven drop, like he's not, he's not a seven drop. <laughs> so like often the only ramp that I really want to cast early is like a soul ring or something. Like I would much rather just cast a pirate and like hit someone with Malcolm out on turn three. You know, that, that always ends up being a better play than just casting a signet or something if I can help it. So definitely um, something I think about a lot more now. You know, there's there's a lot of decks where uh, I built recently and been like, hmm, I actually probably should just have thought about this differently. Like draft one probably will look a lot different for a lot of decks in this category for me from now on. But yeah, this next category is actually really fun. I think this is one that like in the last three years we've gotten a boon of and i know you've built a lot of commanders like this so uh, do you want to get into this this next category that can get rid of some ramp cards yes uh so this next category uh is decks where the commander provides mana um so if you are getting a lot of mana out of the command zone then it is not super necessary to pack your deck full of that um to an extent like if you're there there may be circumstances where it would make sense to ramp on top of that, but uh, some of my decks that fall into this category are like um, Prosper, Tomebound. Uh, Prosper is generating a ton of of mana off of the treasure ability. Uh, there are I run a tiny bit of ramp in this deck. There there are some places where it makes sense. Uh, there are like because there's a treasure focus. Uh, some other treasure producers are in the the deck. And then also um, some uh, like two mana rocks are a bit better in this deck than they are in most, because if you are casting them from exile, then they're mana neutral as opposed to being like a net decrease of mana on the first turn. Uh, So they're mana neutral on the first turn, then just positive thereafter. And this deck also has a ton of card draw. Um, so it can more easily like make use of that extra mana, but but for the most part, the the count is relatively low because I'm just revi- re- I am uh, relying more on Prosper to provide that for me. And then another example of mine is uh, Catilda, the the first one, the human tribal one that allows your your green and white humans to tap for mana. So Catilda um, is enormous amount of mana every turn. So I really, other than like a small handful of cards i just don't need to worry about that my com- i feel like I, my commander is solved for mana and then i'm just trying to run humans that draw me cards so that i can keep the engine going uh keep refilling my hand and, and just like put out a big board and if it gets wiped i don't care because i just have more cards coming um but do you have any lists where the commander provides mana yeah i actually should have switched some things around so malcolm and dargo should have been in this section and i really should have talked about willow dusk in the last section um so if i won't talk about it now but definitely like i said like it's just much better to play a pirate not play ramp 
have your Malcolm come down and make a bunch of treasure and get stuff going that way. It's very fun. <laughs> it's very good. Um, it ends up just being the case. I think other than that, really, like the only things I've done is like guild artisan decks. So like some of the choosers uh, with the like attack and get a bunch of thing, which fits into your Burkos mold. Those have been really fun. But um, I, I've built a few less of these than you have. So I, I do enjoy seeing these decks and it's interesting to see like the ways in which they play differently um you know. yeah not all of these like provide the same provide mana in the same way because there is like you know there's prosper and there's barakos which make treasures uh, or katilda which makes your guys into mana dorks um, but there's also like cost reduction kind of falls into this category um i have an ur dragon like changeling list where my commander, without even being on the board, is making all my spells cheaper, effectively lowering the average mana value of my deck, uh, and just making it so I don't really need as much land uh, to to really follow my game plan. Um, and then kind of similarly, I have my Kadena Morphs list. Um, Kadena is the, is the Sultai uh, commander that whenever a face-down creature enters the battlefield under your control, you draw a card. And the first uh, face down spell you cast each turn it costs three less to cast. So Kadena is uh, by reducing the cost of your morphs to zero, she's effectively providing mana. And really, like rather than trying to add a bunch of mana that I could then spend on morphs, what I'm doing in that deck is just um, running a lot of flash granters so that I can cast, so I can get her benefit on multiple turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that deck is so cool. <laughs> like, I'm a morph aficionado, and like it, it truly is. Like, someone asked me one time because uh, I had an Animar like morphs Animorphs deck for years and years and years before it just was only a combo deck, <laughs> which I'm not going to get into that now. And someone asked me like, if they're going to make another morph commander, like, how would they make it better? Like, what's better than free morphs? And this was before Kadena had come out. And mm-hmm. I just remember going like, I don't know. I don't know if you could do something better than free morphs. And then, uh, yeah, that was right. <laughs> it was, turns out you just, uh, if you can free cast morphs the first... plus free cards, that's, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> exactly. turns out that's the way to make a better morph commander. So I'm glad Kadena worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. We have, uh, one more category to talk about in terms of decks that kind of shoe ramp. Um, and these are decks where you don't plan on casting your spells. Um, so I, I mentioned earlier that Akiri and Silas was my second or, or the deck with the second highest mana value out of the ones I have built in paper. Uh, the number one is Felden of the Third Path, but my Felden deck is actually very low on ramp pieces in, in contrast to Akiri and Silas, because even though it has an average mana value of 4.13, like I am never, I am almost never trying to cast all these expensive spells that are that are bumping up that average. Um, Felden of the Third Path is really all about just like discarding fatties and then cheating them onto the battlefield with Felden, or rather uh, reconstructing them on the battlefield with Felden. Um, so it, it's okay to get to get away with running fewer ramp pieces because you don't. <laughs> if you're not able to like, if the first time like you've gotten a big creature on the battlefield is like by casting it in a Felden deck, then something has gone terribly wrong for you. And then similarly, I, I've got a, a Sephiroth list that is basically a reanimator deck. It's all about getting very mean creatures into the graveyard 
uh, and then triggering Sephiroth as many times as possible with like cycling creatures or creatures that sacrifice themselves or just like looting effects um, in order to reanimate something very powerful very early in the game. And in that case, even though the average mana value of this deck is still relatively high, uh, I, I ain't casting Jingataxius in that list. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely some reanimator decks where you're like, oh, cool, an eight drop. And then you just pitch it. You're like, I'm not, <laughs> this is garbage. And then throw it away. And you're not, you're not casting that. That's, that's not what's going on here. But um, oh. I think these decks, I think, are uh, incredibly fun. I, I honestly, like, even though I do have ramp in my Jared list, like, I, I typically am not casting my eight plus drops in that deck. Uh, so this is, Jared Golgari Lichlord, like usually I'm like reanimating them and pitching them, you know, like and figuring out ways to do that every turn with like a coffin queen or something like that. So I, I feel like this is another category where like the if if your deck would really enjoy um and I know we talked about this on a recent episode, but if your deck would really enjoy a um sneak attack, then you might be running too few lands and not and too much ramp you know you might be able mm-hmm. to cut some some of that and put in some uh some more lands hit those land drops and you'll be a little bit happier uh, overall so th- i think this is a pretty good situation feld index too can be pretty gnarly especially if you're hitting all your land drops um because having like less chaff in the way just makes your whole game plan work a lot better if you're like drawing a bunch of cards and a bunch of them are like Worn Power Stones and Guild Lotuses and stuff like that. That's gonna... It's not terrible, obviously. Like, mana's never that bad, but um, you could probably do without, you know. You could mm-hmm. probably focus in a little a little tighter. You're really not gonna cast your uh, Cityscape Leveler, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's not... You're, you're just gonna make a copy and attack, and it's gonna be great, you know? Mm-hmm. So with that said, I did... Uh, th- th- this is not necessarily a new topic like we're talking about it i think for the first time on here but this has all come from a backdrop we talked about the same black article um but frank karsten who uh writes for channel fireball uh, as a pro player uh has has twice now done a column on how many lands you should be running and the first time he casually mentioned commander he showed like some back of the envelope like calculations and uh, showed like to get the equivalent of six, uh, 25 lands in a 60 card deck, but scaling up to commander, you'd need 41.25 lands. But people got pretty upset at that <laughs> because they're like, that's pretty, like you just kind of said that, whatever. Like, I don't think they trusted it. And this is again, like, I think saying, I think this is a bias from people who like really just don't want to play enough lands. And I tend to play some ramp and like 37 38 lands per deck i try not to go below 37 unless i have a reason to personally yeah um, i i am definitely not running as many lands as i should i mean yeah. i am also sticking around 37 38 but I, I kind of agree with sam that you know or or frank in this case like there are decks where i definitely should be running more than i am yeah like, although i will say like I am pretty good at like putting in infrastructure to guarantee that I hit my land drops, even if I'm not uh, running like, you know, 41 lands or the, the number I really should be like, because I put weathered wayfarer and all my white decks, I try to like force the crucible fetch engine into mm-hmm. places that maybe I shouldn't. I've got a bunch <laughs> of copies of land tax. Like 
uh, I want to, um, I understand the importance of hitting my land drops and I tend to do that. I tend to do that through like, um, through like the cards I put into my main deck rather than just like, I'm going to have four, I'm going to let the hypergeometric calculator determine how many lands I put in. Yeah. And, and so to get back to a Frank Carson thing, so he actually did an article that's basically an update. Uh, so it's how many lands do you need in your deck and updated analysis where he doesn't just talk about 60 card formats uh, or 40 card formats. He also talks about 80 card formats and 99 card formats, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And it takes things into account like um, MDFCs as like partial lands and things like that. And he gets like a much ro- more robust calculation in on uh, the whole the whole deal, right? Like the whole thing. So basically what ends up happening is he and he gives you like a formula you can plug in and kind of figure out how many things, but assuming like an average commander deck, right? Like with a a commander that's castable without like too much ramp or anything like that, the calculation still works out to 43.35 lands for a commander deck, you know? So I think if you're going to take anything away from this episode, it's run more lands. <laughs> just just run more lands. Um, I think the categories that we've listed here are pretty good, and um, you should really look into uh, kind of cutting some of the ramp, running more gas, and running more lands, and getting that mix going. I think that's going to be better because really, like, what a commander game is going to come down to you for you is like taking game actions. So like if you are taking game actions, if you're doing stuff, so like my Timna list, I'll run in like CEDH pod sometimes, not because it's CEDH power level, but because like I still like I'm playing the game from turn one onward. So even if I lose, like I still did stuff and that's going to be the situation with a lot of decks in this category, whether you are getting benefit from your ramp cards, whether you have a deck with an incredibly low curve, whatever that might be like. I think taking into account like your game plan and playing lands accordingly is going to be better than uh, having this kind of rote memorization heuristic of, oh, well, I'm going to run my 36 lands and 10 ramp pieces and that should be fine. You know, like let's try with a little bit more intentionality to create the commander experience that we want when we sit down to play with our friends and we'll probably have a better time for the trouble, you know? Yeah, and I also want to give a caveat um, that the average mana value in my decks might not be the average mana value in your decks. Oh, true. Uh, if mm-hmm. if you are playing a very battle cruisery style of commander, then you might not find this advice works out for you quite as well. Um, like. Just looking at, uh, I looked at 13 of my decks um, to get the the data for this episode, and the average uh, mana value across those 13 decks is 2.96. Um, so if I would just check and see, and of course that included like some extreme outliers, like you know Feldon of the Thorn Path with 4.13. Um, but if you are seeing that like your uh, average mana value in your decks is significantly higher than that, that could be a reason that you maybe don't take out the ramp as much ramp from your builds. Um, Just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. Um, 
But I think this has been a great discussion. If you want to know more about sort of like how we do some of the calculations to to figure out how much RAM to run, you can check out an episode we released last year uh, called the Commander Theory Deck Building Template. Uh, That goes really deep into the nitty gritty of like how much ramp you want to put in your decks, especially like, you know, if you want to get your commander down by a certain turn, exactly what do you need to put in your deck to make that happen? Um, and also talks about card draw and, and interaction. And um, if you are new to hypergeometric calculation or just want some pointers on that, definitely check out that episode. And I will second Zach in, in recommending uh, Frank Karsten and, and Sam Black and the resources that they've the resources that they've put into uh, determining how to build your deck in a way that's going to allow you to have more mm, effective gameplay more yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think more effective is a is a good generic way to say it because like it is just a thing that you're probably playing too few lands like if you look at the top and this is just across the board on edh rec like the top 10 commanders i don't think any deck has more than 35 lands is the average deck list which is um obviously that's an average right like that's taking multiple for some of the decks like thousands well for all of them it's in the tens of thousands uh, or 12,000 13,000 etc etc deck lists and combining them but still like if the average for like a Yuriko deck comes out to 31 lands like you should probably (laughs) (laughs) you should probably play a little bit more and like granted and and also consider like oh go ahead oh no no you you go go for it well also consider like if something is a cedh commander uh, and you oh, are not, yeah, um, and you are not making a CEDH build, then you probably want to run more lands than most people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If your deck is going to be full of actual like four and five mana spells as opposed to just like one mana counter spells and like cheap interaction pieces, et cetera, et cetera, like mm-hmm. that's something else to think about because there's a lot of the top commanders are just like not. <laughs> probably not running enough lands like even if you go past that you'll you'll notice a trend i I would just like encourage people to take a few minutes look at the top commanders on edh rec look at how many lands the average deck is running and just kind of like show yourself like "Mm, do i want to do i want to be like this can i be better can i can i do more can i push myself to build better decks and I bet the answer is yes. I bet you can do it. Mm-hmm. So this is me believing in you. Um, and yeah, I think this is a really interesting topic. I think like definitely in the last, there's a version of myself that I think would have been very against this and like this philosophy. Um, but that would have been years ago, right? Like that would have mm-hmm. been uh, many, many years before the year of commander, right? <laughs> like <laughs> we've just had so much stuff since then. And I think it's good to take into account um yeah well, i mean when i started out in when i started out in commander i was running like a whole lot of seven drops and a whole lot of like explosive vegetation variants mm-hmm. uh and and they were good you know and they were good they were yeah. good at the time um but i i recognize the format has changed and you know just l- going through this exercise and seeing like oh n- not only has the format changed but my decks have changed i this is so different from how i would have built things in 2010 Mm-hmm. Um, has been really enlightening, but you're you're right that this has been a great discussion, uh, and I want to give another 
one more thank you to Roxanne for suggesting that we do an episode on this because uh, I think it's been uh, a good talk so far. Yeah. All right. With that, uh, I think we can wrap up this episode. I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, James, Logan, Roger, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Fruel, Riddle, Carl, Oscar, Danny B, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recton, Nick, BJ, Cameron, Valerio, Zach, Quincy, Carrie, Stephen, and The Longs. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commandertheory. Thanks for listening. Hello, theorists. So you might have noticed that we've been a little late the last few weeks. It's just been holiday craziness, uh, sicknesses, a bunch of stuff. So uh, I had mentioned in the credits of the last episode that we weren't taking a break. Well, just kidding. Uh, We're going to be taking the next two weeks off. It's a combination of more illness and uh surprise going out of town and everyone is safe and good so that's all fine so don't worry about us but the next episode we are going to release is or new episode we're going to release is for january 26th and it will be the start of the all will be one spoilers it's it's already here (laughs) so uh we're going to release a oh you'll see well one of the episodes that we talked about in this episode and then we're going to release the uh D module that nick made for phyrexia just one more time while we're off so again have a good next few weeks we hope your new year was great and thank you all for the support and we'll talk to you soon bye you can reach out to me on twitter i'm at commander theory and on twitter i am at fat bartleby you can also email us at commander theory at gmail.com Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots. All one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, You can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think.